Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Within Us. This is episode 13, How to Design and Redesign a Happy Marriage with Daniela Rudolph. I loved meeting Daniela so much. She calls herself a marriage architect. She has a really interesting story. She was in the field of education for many years and went on to become a professionally certified marriage coach and she is a matchmaker and she also coaches people to get ready for dating for marriage and she also works with married people. She has courses, she has incredible advice and I just loved meeting her so much. You know, I feel like a lot of the people that I interview on the show I become so close with and she was so sweet after this interview came to my house to visit me and we spent some time together and you know it's really a bonding experience i have to say listening to people and being listened to you know being listened to is one of the most pleasurable experiences that human beings have and communication science confirms that it's so fascinating that Oftentimes in life when we're listening, we feel like our most important job is how we're going to respond or what we're going to say or how we're going to analyze what's been said or judge what's been said. But one of the most powerful ways of listening is simply to listen to remember. Listening to remember activates the more empathetic parts of our minds and enables us to connect more. Even though it might seem like we're just listening to catch the facts, it's actually creating a connection because we're holding space for someone in a much, much deeper way. So that is a really powerful tool. It's something I like to use in my interviews and something that we can use in everyday life. You know, the judging mind is so powerful. And for so many of us, even I'd say most of us, we have learned to rely on the judging mind and to believe that if we think and we analyze and we think and think and overthink, that somehow that's going to help us in some way. But oftentimes it's moving out of the judging mind that does it. I listen to so many people as a coach, doing masterminds and doing one-on-one sessions, hearing about the deepest desires of my students and clients. And you know what I hear more than anything? I hear judgments. I hear self-judgments. You are not smart enough to do this. You are not pretty enough to do this, good looking enough to do this. And you have made too many mistakes in your life to put out this type of material. Who are you to do this? It comes up over and over and over again. And you know, it's so interesting because we wouldn't at any point in time say these things to other people. And yet there they are. These thoughts are coming up in our own minds. And so what do we do about that? I do a really powerful exercise with my groups and with my clients, and it is an exercise where you can imagine yourself in a very early stage of life. The earlier, the better. It's like a sleeping baby is a really great place to start. And take a few minutes, three minutes, to simply offer this baby, this child, words of kindness. It sounds simple, but the truth is that for a lot of people, it's really, really challenging because so much of life is spent being hard on ourselves and judging ourselves and pushing ourselves and criticizing ourselves that to stop and offer words of kindness is like disorienting. But 
that is where the magic happens. And it's such a powerful tool. It's, it's really incredible. If you want some resources to do that for yourself, to, to, to use the practice and implement in your own life, you can reach out to me. You can reach out to me through the show or you can send me an email, ozzy.jank at gmail.com, A-Z-I dot J-A-N-K at gmail.com. I want to offer you the opportunity to give yourself some words of kindness and compassion. There's a really beautiful recitation that is said in the morning. It's an ancient recitation that says, grateful am I. It says, grateful am I to you, to the infinite, to the creator for having returned my soul in compassion. And one of the greatest things we can aim to do in this life is to be like the infinite, to be like the creator. And every morning we remind ourselves that the creator is having compassion upon us for giving us another day of life. So if you could today, try, even if it's for a few minutes, to offer yourself kindness and compassion. Even a little bit of kindness and compassion can go an incredibly long way. You are going through so much. Life can be so challenging in so many different ways. And you're doing a great job in a lot of different areas. I know it. I know you are. We are going to move on to the episode Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so excited to introduce Daniela to you. It was amazing when I finished the conversation with her. I had a date night planned with my husband, and her insights really brought so much clarity and wisdom to the conversations that I had with my husband that night. And I think it's just amazing how her wisdom can inspire and impact us in any stage of our lives, in any stage of our relationships, whether we're looking for our beloved or we're happily married or we're struggling in marriage or wherever we're at, she really has a lot of wisdom to share. I want to give you one piece of advice that was such a strong takeaway for me and she'll say it in the interview. She says it best, but essentially it goes something like this. Daniela said that when her husband goes swimming, she thanks him. She thanks him for taking care of himself because she realizes that in him taking care of himself, he is going to have a healthier life, going to live longer, God willing, going to be a better family member and contribute more. And and that in giving to himself, he's really giving to the whole. And, you know, so often in life, we can mistakenly believe that many of the things that we want to do are selfish. When in reality, taking care of ourselves is one of the most selfless things that we can do for the other people in our lives. So on that note, we're going to move on to the show. I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Kesher Video. Kesher Video is an international video production company producing cinematic pieces for promotional purposes. Kesher Video was also started by my dear husband, Daniel Jankovic. He is sponsoring this episode with his incredible company. Kesher means connection, K-E-S-H-E-R. I remember many years ago when Daniel was working in Hollywood. This is going back now 16 years. And he, more than anything, wanted to use his talents making film to help people. And I just said, you know, you got to go for it. And our lives were busy at the time. We were so young. I was getting my teaching credential and working and we had a little baby at home. But I knew that I wanted him to be happy and that if if he could be happy doing what he loves in this world, that we would all be so much happier and we would all be so much better for it. 
and he's been doing it ever since. It's just incredible. So if you want to check out his work, it's at keshervideo.com. There's an amazing team on board now in Israel, in LA, and in satellite locations. And it's just a beautiful blessing. And I feel grateful every day that all those years back, we took the leap and we did it. And it enables me to do this, which I love so much. So thank you to Kesher for sponsorship. If you want to make a donation, you can visit my website. There's a link in the show notes, or you can contact me directly for any sponsorship or donation opportunities. Thank you so much for being here. And here is Daniela Rudolph, the marriage architect. Welcome to the show, Daniela. It is so wonderful to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me, Adriella. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So tell me a little bit, when you call yourself a dating mentor and marriage educator, what do those things mean and what is it that you do exactly? So first of all, I, I started out being an educator altogether for my bachelor's and master's are from Yeshiva University in, edu- in Jewish education. And I taught in America for 10 years. So that's my background in America. And when we made Aliyah 14 years ago, this new direction happened, unbeknownst to me. If you would have told me I'm doing this, you know, even uh, eight years ago, nine years ago, I would have been laughing. But I wanted to take the educator in me in a different direction. And I had been given guidance by two sisters-in-law of mine to perhaps become a Kala teacher. So that's where the marriage education began. Okay, uh, so, so let's back up just for a minute so that everyone understands. Like, You went to Yeshiva University and you got your degrees. You're both a bachelor's and a master's in education. In Jewish education, correct. In Jewish education. Yes. And then when you moved to Israel 14 years ago, you decided that you might, you were, you, so it was suggested to you that you might start teaching new brides, young exactly. women who were engaged to, we call kalas. Yes. Right? And to add to that, I had been teaching in America for 10 years in the classroom, Jewish education. So that, that's where my experience is. That's where my education is, my knowledge. And I love teaching. And, um, and I would say I'm pretty good at teaching. So it's, it's, a, it's a passion of mine to, to see the light bulbs going on in everyone's mind to, to, to bring um, positive to people's lives, to bring knowledge to people's lives and to enrich, you know, people in, in their every day, you know. And so um, I, what, what appealed to me it's, that inspired me is, thank God, I'm very lucky to have a, a beautiful marriage. And I know that it's based on you know, positive and, and, and love, um, but it's also about communication. You know, it's about, it's knowing how to communicate to each other, how to be in that, what can I do for you marriage, as opposed to what can you do for me? So um, that, that kind of understanding that you, I can then teach, because remember I'm an educator, I could teach people how to have that, uh, is what really appealed to me. It really inspired me because, you know, when you're in your own life, like everybody listening to this, you're in your own life. You know what you have in your life, but it's hard to imagine what other people have. So you assume if you're happy in your marriage, that everybody's happy in their marriage, or that if you're sad in your marriage, that everybody's sad in their marriage, because you can't think outside your own daladama, we call it, like your your own world, right? So Your own like, bubble, right? Yes. 
Yeah, so being that I'm an educator, I've seen a lot of students through my life, thousands of students, right? So you, you get more of that understanding that what is going on in other people's minds. And being that I can offer education, the, you know, that's like the inspiration of what I do as regarding marriage education. But, the, but what got me there is, the, is a whole different, um, the, what happened in this is um, two of my sisters-in-law were saying, Daniela, maybe you should become a Kala teacher. You should teach new brides Jewish, Jewish law. You know, when you get married, there are new um, concepts that you need to learn in order to incorporate into your life um, between yourself and your husband um, about, about laws of purity uh, in, in marriage. So um, I had thought a long time about it, about six months, let's just say. And then one day I said to my husband, Okay, fine. I'm gonna look program today. I turn on my computer. Where do you always go first? Your email inbox. Hold on one second. I'm gonna have you back up because there was like a notification on something somewhere that like right. it bleeped you. So I'm gonna have you go back to where you said it was suggested to you that you start teaching brides. Okay, great. Should I say those words again just to get the flow in? Yes. Okay, so I was trying to figure out what I should do in Israel, and two of my sisters-in-law were encouraging me to become a Kala teacher. In other words, to teach young brides, new brides, about, new, about Jewish law, about marriage. And at first, I really didn't want to do it. I was thinking business, thinking something else, a different direction. And then one day, I just said, you know what? I said to my husband, Josh, I'm going to look for a program about Kala teaching. And I had learned it three, four times in my life already, but I decided if you want to teach something, you want to do it well, professionally, um, you know, I want to relearn it, right? So I, I clicked on, you know, turned on my computer and I looked in my email inbox first, and then I figured I'd do a search. In my email inbox says Yeshiva University, which is where I went to university, college teaching program starting this week. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh. And then I clicked on it thinking it's going to be in New York where I took my, my bachelor's, my master's classes, and it was going to be in Jerusalem in the Midrashia program, which is, a, is where the women of the, the wives of the Smicha students, they have a program there for them. And that's where it was. And I, of course, signed up immediately. I went not even realizing that it wasn't just Hilchot Nida, you know, the, um, the Jewish law you know, course. Okay. About. So, so you found the course. So you, you had this idea, you told your husband you were going to do it. So you spoke out your intention and then you opened your email inside of your inbox was the invitation from your alma mater to do this, this certification for young, for new brides. And within that, not only was it coming straight to you, you didn't even have to look for it, but it was, near your home where you were living in Israel. Yes, it's insane. I, I still can't get over it. Like I tell the story countless times because everyone asks how I, I started Marriage Architect. And I say it's, Hashem started it, right? Like, like it just came to me, but it's true what you're saying. I, it took, I would say about six months to understand that this is something that I should be doing. I made the decision and within seconds, minutes, whatever, it wasn't even like I had to scroll down. I remember just seeing Yeshiva University and I'm telling you till this day, I don't think I've ever gotten anything else from the Midrashia program. It, it's, it's crazy. So this is the next part because 
of this story, which is phenomenal. For in the beginning, I oh, so the first day, amazing, amazing teacher, Leora Bednar, she's amazing. And I'm thinking, okay, now I'm gonna go home. The next course started, and then the next course. I didn't know about these two other courses because I just signed up quickly, right? You know, I wasn't looking into anything. It was more like, okay, great, I'm coming. Um, and that they had brought in uh, Macham Pua came to speak about women's health issues in the framework of Halacha, Rev. Gideon Weissman. He was phenomenal. I mean, really amazing. And then the third course, they brought in professionals of all types re regarding marriage and community because these women, no matter what field they were in, you know, whether they're a banker, they're a psychologist, you know, whatever field they're in, they're also the Rebbitson of the community. So they have to know a lot. And, and I think it's wonderful that they bring this resource to them. So you have marriage therapists, wow. sex therapists, Laguna prevention, um, OBGYN, psych you know, psychologists, like just everything. And they come in and teach their field, you know, and it's really beautiful. I took notes, vigorous notes, you know, and then and I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to give so much to the Kala. I'm so excited, you know, like build a curriculum. And sure enough, I did do that. But mid-year, I'll tell you what happened. And this is the beginning of the marriage education, the broader sense of um, is I realized this is a terrible idea because I'm going to be teaching her so much. What is he learning? I, I don't know, because there's always... <laughs> that gap sometimes, sometimes they learn a lot, sometimes they're not learning enough, and are they on the same page? Um, so what so, happens, what happens, Daniela? can you explain to me, or give us an example of what is an imbalance in a relationship? Like, what do you mean when you say that it could be problematic if the wife is learning certain information and then the husband isn't privy to it? How can that cause a problem? Like, let's say, for example, that she said, hears from her teacher, oh, isn't that so nice that once a month, you know, your husband should prepare dinner and he should, you know, clear the table and, and, and turn out, you know, dim the lights, put a rose in the middle of the, a vase in the middle of the table and prepare this, you know, scrumptious, delicious dinner all by himself and, and, or go out to dinner together once a month and then a month passes another month passes and he doesn't do that he doesn't prepare dinner or he doesn't take her out to dinner he does a lot of other nice things for her he really loves her a lot but this this there's a gap there's a void that she's feeling because she heard that that's what he's supposed to do or that's what she was expecting that's a whole other topic i could discuss you know about you know high expectations breed low results and low expectations breed high results but that's a whole other topic but it is this point okay i want to get into that also <laughs> so it, it's this idea where she's expecting something because she heard it from her kala teacher but yet he may not have heard it from his chatan teacher she might have heard it from the person preparing her for her wedding and the, and the man may not have heard it from the person preparing him for his wedding. So therefore January time of that year of my learning, I, I learned a whole year, you know, I have a degree in marriage education from wow. university. So I, I realized there's going to be this issue. So I also went and I learned more and more courses about marriage education, um, Yeti Bisque and others. And, I learned so much about communication skills and relationship building skills. And so what I decided is, of course, I could actually, I usually teach a Kala still if I'm teaching a Kala. It's, it, you know, it's, it, I'm a consultant, so it depends on what the person is coming for. But I also want to teach the couple together 
before they get married and after they get married. I mean, we could do 10, 15 sessions, but really I've narrowed it down that you know, people really don't have time, but at least they should come for at least an hour and a half to two hours before the wedding and same after the wedding, an hour and a half to two hours, where I could give them education together, communication skills, relationship building skills, positive attitude towards marriage and loving each other and being their best cheerleader for each other. But yeah. it's skills that I think are so important and they've told me amazing feedback how it really, really has helped their marriages. You know, so, it makes so much sense why you would want to do that. You know, I could imagine a young bride or even um, a married woman going for help of any sort to a consultant or a psychologist and, and getting feedback. And even on a practical level, imagine if a woman was, a couple was looking to build a house and the woman went and got all this amazing advice and feedback and input and came home and expected that she and her husband were going to build the home together. They just wouldn't be on the same page. Like it just doesn't, it makes so much more sense what you're saying. Right. Than doing so anything cool. separately. Mm -hmm. Right. So then about two years after this started, meaning I started teaching women, brides and couples and ma that's marriage architect. That's, I, I, I branded this name marriage architect when I was looking for a logo, you know, it was just really cool how it all worked out and I've got amazing feedback about it, which is so fun. Um, it's really my marriage architect. It, it was developed um, or it was born. I would say because I want to design marriages, right? It's about making those foundations really, really strong and designing a happy marriage through positive communication skills and relationship building skills, where both of them here, they both learn at the same time. It's not like one person learned it and then the other person learned it later. So I love that, you know, like no one can say, oh, I never heard this before because as I teach it to the couple, they're both on. Like as a teacher, you can, you know, know when, when someone's listening and learning and when they're not. And, and they're really interested and they're very excited actually to be learning because they want an awesome marriage. It's say, and, and, and just, just something else just to say is it can save a person so much money because, you know, the lawyers all come to me and they tell me how impressed they are with what I'm doing, how much money I am saving all these couples, um, you know, mediators, everybody. Like they're like, what you're doing is so important and it saves people so much pain later in life because if you get it right the first time, it's like a dish. It's like, it's like an heirloom piece from your great grandmother. You would never want to harm it, right? You want it to stay whole. You want to cherish it. You want to pass it down to the next generation and the next generation. Yeah. You I hear that. It's, it's interesting, Daniela, that you bring up lawyers because I, I always think to myself and I, I like to say that of course there will be disagreement where there is no agreement. And you know, just now I sent out a, a contract to one of my coaching groups and I laid out the specifics of what the coaching group is going to look like and who's going to do what and, you know, just how it's going to look so that we're all on the same page. And when we think about marriage, how many couples sit down and sign a contract at all? And this, is, right. this isn't a coaching group. This isn't, you know, this isn't building a house. This is building your life. Right. So I, 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 I appreciate what you're saying and, and it makes sense to me why they're couples can save money and save, you know, heartache and headache and all of those right. things in the long run by working with you and, and, and right. taking these, these vital steps. Right. It's, it's really it's great. It's very powerful. So what's the, the next part, I, I, I don't know if the word is journey that a lot of people use, but in part, in terms of how I am, where I am today, setting people up and, you know, in that world of matchmaking, it was not something I ever predicted in my life. I had never set anybody up 
because when we first got married, none of my husband's friends were good for my friends. It's not that I didn't think about it, but it just wasn't. So it's, you know, you know, like that totally fell in my lap as well. But I think people interpreted marriage architect to be somebody who sets people up. So people, I would say about a hundred people in nine months came to talk to me like an hour and a half each, two hours sometimes, and could have been more, never less than an hour and a half, and talking about their lives, what they're looking for, and that's how networking for singles, I brand it, you know, networking for singles or dating consulting has, you know, came into my life. And what happens is I, what I love about this, besides trying to help people and, and get, you know, introduce them to their spouse is that I bring all the education in. I bring in all of these communication skills and relationship building skills and relationship development, making sure that both couples are happy, not pressured, not stressed, not pushed into a relationship, God forbid, but really truly want to be there and how they can develop it to really, um, like I said, to be there and what can I do for you kind of relationship. Um, I love that. I love the, I love the, what can I do for you relationship? And I think it so much speaks to, to the, the Hebrew word, you know, the Hebrew word, Ahava. I wrote about it a little bit in my book, but I think it's so important to keep that in mind because have is give and it's care for. And, and the, what can I do for you is really such a paradigm shift. It's such a mindset shift. You know, oftentimes coming into a relationship, I think it's so human to think like, okay, how is this going to benefit me? Correct. But then to turn it around and realize that we love what we care for. Yes. And, and not only, yes. So powerful. Yes. It's so powerful. And if both parts of a couple, if the husband and the wife both realize that if they're giving and they both were taught to give, right. And they're both are actually giving, they're both receiving. So it's not necessarily exactly at the same moment because you can't always be giving exactly at the same moment. But if it's overall, you're both giving as often as you can. And that love, just like you said, the word, I also use this, the, that concept that in, in, in teaching this generally about have is give and aha, you know, like that whole idea is so powerful. And, um, and that's what creates love, right? And like you're choosing a birthday card in the olden days, we would choose birthday cards, you'd search for the right birthday card, you'd search for the right gift. And you didn't want to stop at that card or at that gift, because there was another one that was better. And you're working so hard in order to, to please your best friend or your, you know, whoever it is that you're buying that card for, because you love them so much. And like you said, you know, you create more love in yourself for that person when you're giving, right? So it's, um, it's beautiful because if you see, if you both see how much you love each other overall, when the hard things happen in life, you know, there are challenges, you can go back to that place of knowing in general, you know, things are awesome, you know? So if it's harder right now because I have to do the dishes, you know, or something like that, they're really cleaning the filters and they're really doing, you know, running the, the books, the finances, or they're running out to get the kids, you know, it's not always, um, you know, that we're sitting, you know, by poolside, you know, or whatever it is, just relaxing, right? It's, it's, it's but knowing. Right. That yeah, I think that's, I think that's powerful. So I, I want to talk about this paradigm shift a little bit that, you know, we talked about the Hebrew word for love, which is ahava, which, which 
means give. It, it, the root of that word is give. And this idea that, that you're speaking about, that in caring for something, we're really growing our own sense of care and, and that, that marriage isn't sitting by the you know, pool and having these romantic getaways. And you know, I think about like my houseplants and I think about even the research about people who take care of houseplants and take care of plants are happier because they're caring for something. So I think we need to extend that paradigm a little bit you know, when we're thinking about marriage and relationships in the way that you're discussing, I think that your message is so vital. So I'm curious if you could, you could speak for a minute about, you know, how does someone go from looking at a relationship in terms of what can you do for me relationship to what can I do for you? And, 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 and also like, what are the ways you've seen in which people can learn to give to each other that, that work? And how do people know? I have so many questions for you. How do people <laughs> know like, what their you know, spouse or what their fiance wants? Yeah, so, so I certainly think learning how to express oneself about what's important to them, what they want versus what they need, and knowing you know, that we are all doing our best to make those things available to each other, obviously within reason. I think what, one of the hardest things today is that, you know, what can you do for me relationship is where a lot of people stop and that that's what it's all about, especially in the dating world. I want this, I want that. I have a laundry list of, you know, specifics that I need and I can't go out of that list. You know, it's what can you do for me? Like I need it to fit exactly. Okay. In that in itself right there, it's such a paradigm shift. So essentially what you're saying is when people are looking for a spouse, they're talking about what they want in someone. They want someone who's this height or who has this type of profession or this type of interest and who can bring this to the table. And so instead of focusing on that, you're saying focus on what am I bringing to the table? Right. Is that right? It's a little complicated until you meet the right person, and that's why this part is so difficult, um, because until you have an emotional connection with somebody, you can't really, you know, you can't really connect until you have an emotional connection with somebody. So let's say the height thing, I understand when somebody says that they can't go below 5'4", you know, in the sense that that's what they want, but I said to someone literally just yet. Yeah, yesterday, you know, at, at two o'clock <laughs> that, um, you know, he's, he's saying I have a narrow group that I could actually, uh, a women of the type that I could go out with because of the type of guy that he is and what, you know, in terms of religious level, in terms of all, a whole bunch of different things. And I, and he said, you know, I can't date somebody whose parents live outside of Israel because then she's always going to want to go to visit them outside of Israel. And Height-wise, he's 5'11", so he doesn't want somebody shorter than 5'4", literally having this conversation yesterday. And I said to him, just listen to yourself, and you can have what you like. I could, you know, wait till I could suggest somebody like that. That's fine if you want to wait. But just realizing you're telling me earlier in the conversation how other people have narrowed the list down for you, but now yet you are narrowing it down further with your new two criteria. And... You know, that, so just that's fine. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. But just understand what you're doing, okay? Now, you could be that the person is 5'2 or 5'3 and not 5'4, whatever the, the number was, right? right. One, one inch shorter, and she could be the love of your life, and you're not going out with her because of her height. 
So that's fine if that's what you want to do, but just understand what you're saying. Understand how limiting you are. You're limiting yourself as opposed to other people now limiting you. So, so that is so interesting right there. It's like, you know, I, I think a lot about limiting beliefs in terms of educating people and empowering people. And, and in a certain way, this is like a limiting criteria. And I wonder how much of that comes from fear. You know, if you hear a man saying, well, I can't marry someone who, whose parents live out of the country because I can't go out of the country. Well, why does he believe that? I mean, is it, he can't afford it or he, he you know, he, he doesn't like to travel. You know, like something is under the surface there that he's living small. Uh, exactly. So I, I, I discussed that with him. You should know. I also discussed that idea, you know, whether it's financial. I said, you don't know if her parents could afford it. So you're limiting who you meet based on a lack of knowledge of whether they could afford it or not. Or maybe she could just go to visit her parents once a year and then they could come visit her another time a year. Maybe they only will see, maybe they live here half a year. Like, you know, we just so don't not know. only are you helping people expand their criteria and open their minds to their possibilities, but you're also really helping people to face and overcome their limiting beliefs. Correct. But I do it carefully. You know, this is not a general, some of this is general, you know, for everybody out there. Some of it's for specific people. I have these conversations one-on-one -on -one with people. So it's, it's depending on this individual and what, how they need. To, I don't tell people how they should do anything. I like to discuss it, like, listen, you know, maybe this could help, maybe this could help, you know, like my husband and I are six and a half years apart, and the person who only limits it to four years, and I say, okay, fine, that's fine, we're happily married six and a half years apart, it's, it, it's awesome, you know, but it, it, you know, like, it's just also opening their minds to the fact that that could be good, that could be amazing, but they just don't think that way, uh, and so part of what I do is, ed it's education bottom line. That's why I call myself an educator, you know, because it's, it's not about, you know, forcing somebody to, like, you wouldn't go to a classroom, there's no teacher, or there shouldn't be a teacher who's forcing their beliefs on somebody. This should be about education. This is, you know, information, and, you know, you could take it or leave it, and, you know, obviously, I bring it to the table because I think it's beneficial to them, and right, you're offering alternative, you're offering alternatives, you're offering them the opportunity to, expand their belief, expand their horizons, expand their yes. possibility. Yes. But at the same time, if they're not like that, then I respect them for who they are. Or I try to, I, I really do yeah. try to respect people for who they are, what's important to them. Um, I understand. And I even learn why it's important to them. And that's what maintains my respect for them. Because I really feel like each person who comes to me is my new friend, you know? So it's like, you know, they're my new friend. I'm looking, let's say, with Shiduchim, then, then I'm, I'm their friend looking for their, you know, not looking necessarily. I don't like to use that term. But when I have somebody who comes to meet with me or who has come to meet with me, who's good for them, then I'm happy to set them up. Looking for them is more of a proactive service where it's, a, it's, it's, in, it's very intense. Uh, and it's a separate service. Um, but the idea is our conversation is like, you know, that awesome coffee that you have together with somebody, you know, and you really get to know them really well. It, it, they're also getting to know me. They have to know who, you know, know me because when I have a suggestion for them, they know what type of person I am and that I really mean well for them and that I really, you know, have learned who they are. It, it's a full conversation. You it's need to know them beyond stats on a piece of paper. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I, you could look at stats on a piece of paper and then meet a person and they're totally different than that piece of paper. And it, it's mind boggling. Totally. 
So, so I'm curious in terms of like tips. So I think we have a lot of different points and places that people are at. Like we have the people who are like single and they're dating and they're using these websites. And I'm curious if you have tips for that. I think it's important. First of all, I came up with a dating course, literally launched. I'm launching it now because I feel that there's so much to offer. Like I said, I could talk for hours, right? So there are videos and worksheets and homework sheets in, in order to prepare a person for dating because there's such an enormity of information. Um, it's also people think that they do stuff, that they are a certain way, and really they're not. I mean, that include, that's, you know, I'm always assessing who I am as well. I mean, that's not a, you know, a criticism on anyone in specific. It's more like I believe strongly that Hashem, uh, I believe strongly that God, you know, he has divine providence for when a couple meets. Um, it's a very humbling experience setting people up, okay? And I do believe that if a person is ready to meet the person, their spouse, when they are meant to meet them, if they're ready for it, they'll meet them. And they'll be prepared with the communication skills, the relationship building skills, um, with the positive attitude, with the what can I do for you attitude. Um, then they'll be ready and so will their spouse because if their spouse is not ready, maybe they won't meet yet. So that's how I see it. So that's why I prepared this dating course. And then there will be a level two eventually to, you know, after the level I think one. That makes so much sense because if you're giving this, you know, if you're sharing this value, valuable information, you're teaching it, it's like, why not bring that to as many people as possible? Correct. Exactly. So it was hard to put together in the sense that who has time to do these things, you know, to create something, but I'm an educator and that I've said for all the last seven years that I'm doing this work, I am an educator and that's who I am. And I want to get good, you know, good into the world, happiness into people's lives. And the best way that I can do mentoring to, you know, not just to one person at a time, but to educate as many people who want to learn. And it's really that type of thing, you know, where if one person buys this course and they dedicate themselves to really taking it seriously, it could really transform their lives. Um, if they're not serious, just like anything else in life, you know, you could say, right. Want, right. If know. they're in and they're committed and they yeah, want to learn, they, they want to have. So, so this is for someone who's dating. You feel like get the education, get the information. Both, both partners should be doing it together. Like you said earlier, yeah, but so the daters, they don't know if their partner is doing it. But if, okay, so the, the, but if the more people know have, about it. Who haven't found, okay, so these are, okay, so back up. The course is for people who are single, who have not found the, who they're dating yet. They're, they're looking. Yes, and there are a lot of valuable relationship building tools there that will help their marriage. So if they really inculcate it into their everyday, you know, if they really are mindful about doing the things that I'm teaching, the, you know, the, the, like I said, there's a worksheet, a video, and, and a homework sheet. Um, it's really um, trying to make it part of your life. So obviously, you know, if somebody's serious about dating, it's a good idea, but it also will help them for their marriage. It'll help them with their attitudes. It will help them just be happier in life. So that's why I created it. So, cause I am just so excited and passionate about my topic because I just feel that why shouldn't people be happy? You know? So if they start early at the right time, I was starting to say before about this heirloom piece, you know, if someone hurts someone's feelings and it's not so bad and there's like a, a sliver of a cut in that, you know, 
um, crystal vase or whatever, you know, whatever dish that they have, it will still be intact. There'll be a little pain in the relationship, but it won't be too much and everything will be fine. But if it shatters, you can't, you can't, no therapist, at least, you know, I, I shouldn't say that, but what I mean it's is- hard. It's, it's a lot more it's hard work. to repair. It's too late. So that's why I feel that the proactive education is so smart, you know, and like I said, it saves a person a lot of money, but it saves a person a lot of hardship. And think about the time in your life that you waste in this hardship, in this, in this, in this pain. So why should you have pain to begin with? That's my theory. My theory is educate, be proactive in your life, take your life into your own hands and learn and learn how to do it right. And don't wait till it's too late. And of course you can't determine what your spouse is doing before you meet your spouse. But then of course there will be a level two, level three and their marriage education will come. But I think that you could get a lot in this. Even married couples could just, you know, whiz by some of the dating parts of it. About how to, how to date smart. Yes. Yes. How to, how to date smart. smart and you can date your spouse smart also, you know, so that's one of my topics is how to date your spouse. You so, know, I, I, I feel like it's so, I, I feel like it's so brilliant. And I met my husband before the days of courses but I was so fortunate when I met him that I simultaneously met the, the creators of Speed Dating. Okay, great. And I actually, I was living with, with, with them for a little while, it, kind of a long story, but essentially she became a mentor for me. And it was right when I met my husband and she gave me her book. And in her book, there was this list of questions for questions you should ask someone you're dating. And it was like, oh, right. We should talk about important things and we should come right. up with agreements. And, and I think that it, it was such divine providence. Like if it, if it hadn't been for meeting her, I don't know if we would have had those core conversations. Mm -hmm. I feel like someone like yourself, I mean, this is your life. Not only are you an experienced and passionate educator with multiple degrees, you've also studied marriage education professionally. It's, it's so interesting because I've known you, you know, the last few years and I didn't even know that there was a degree like this and that you have right. it. It's just so, it's so incredibly valuable. It's and great. I think anybody who, you know, ha who, who's listening to this and, and who's, who's looking to, to meet someone can just benefit so much from you. Thank you. That's so sweet. <laughs> I, I, I love what I do. I, I, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And thank God, um, good things are happening in the background that you, you'll know about hopefully sometime soon. And uh, thank God, nine couples are married through my work and 11 babies and this chorus is coming out and another baby's due that I heard about. It's so exciting, building worlds. So and exciting, building worlds. So so you have these, not only do you have tips for couples like, you know, get an education, come up with agreements, establish your communication skills, but you also have your course. And then for people who are already dating, let's say they met someone and they know that this is the one, That's do great. you have a philosophy about, you know, this is, I think we have a lot of different listeners and a lot of different people and a different, different ways that people are dating, right? Right. So I think that like in the olden days in society, Western society at large, there was this idea that you, you, if you met somebody, you knew you were going to marry them. You just did it. And in the world of, um, of observant Jewry, you know, many people also like get married pretty quickly. And, and then I know that according to statistics, marriages are happening a lot later in life in, in the, the world at large, like the, you know, American Pew, the Pew study right. or 
um, places like that. I'm curious if you have any advice or insights about like, how do you time the dating and the marriage and how do you know if it's the one? Yeah. So, well, I think in the beginning you were saying how they know it's the one, but they didn't want to get married yet. That was where yeah, I was what do you? How do you decide? So I, I think there are some people who decide when they want to have, start having kids. And, um, and the, I'm really not, I'm more in the marriage minded, um, I would say philosophy. And I would, I, and, um, let's say people who come to work with me are people who want to get married. Okay. So that's generally where my headspace is. I respect what other people want to do in their, whatever it is. I'm not trying to put anybody down, but this is my, my world. Um, when people come and they say, oh, I just want to have a boyfriend, I, I don't accept them into my network because it's not fair to the other people in my network who want to get married. I just don't see it only as me. It's more the concept of the people in my network. That's what they're expecting. So okay. you, your ideal client is someone with clarity. My ideal client is someone who, who has clarity about marriage. <laughs> that when they want to get married. And yes, a lot of people have a lot of clarity in my network. I didn't mean to say it that way, but I meant specifically because we're talking about this topic about right. marriage. It's not like they're, they're not coming to you and saying, you know, set me up with someone I want a companion. They're saying, I would like to get married. Yes. Okay. Yes. And yes, a lot of them have clarity, of course, about a lot of things. They're very amazing people in my network. Um, regarding your question, though, I would say that a lot of people regret getting married late. They come to me and they say, I should have done this earlier because I really want to have a nice size family. Um, and people don't realize, and that's, remember when I went to school, Mahon Pua came to speak. That, that's the name of an organization about an infertility clinic okay so they came to teach about infertility from a scientific point of view medical and then also from a Jewish law perspective how we handle the medical and the science research and and you know how we deal with it from a Jewish law perspective okay so I learned a lot and really statistically in a medical research is that the earlier you get married the more probable you'll have kids, you know, and whatever. Obviously, there's so much medical intervention today, and it's wonderful, and it's amazing, and, you know, and you can never guarantee because about anything, right? So every, every situation, every baby is a miracle, and no matter what age the person is, and, and it's wonderful. But what I'm trying to point out here is not from Daniela's perspective. It's from the scientific perspective, and emotionally, how people react at different points in their life. Let's say in their early 20s, like, oh, I'm pushing it off because I can't handle it. I'm still trying to get a job. I'm still trying to, you know, figure out my life, right? And that's people's attitudes earlier. I want to do for myself. Remember, it's the me attitude as opposed to what can I do for you attitude. And what people don't realize, it's really what can I do for me? Because really it's your life that you're creating from an early age of a beautiful family that takes time to create. So the earlier you start, obviously you have no way of knowing if you're going to meet your spouse immediately when you start dating or if it's going to take a few years. So that, those, I, those concepts are really important, and that's what I see in my daily work. I meet with all ages, 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. I really meet everybody. So it's beautiful, first of all, amazing people, but you hear a lot of reflection of how people feel about their decision-making about when to start getting married and when to start having a family. 
So that's, so really- that's interesting. So you, you hear these people with regrets. And then what I feel like is, is fascinating about what you're saying is that the people who are in their 20s who have this, what can you do for me attitude, have a reframe when they start thinking, what can I do for you? And then you also said it's about them. So it's like a it's it's like they're in turning into more caring people, they are awakening the joy that is naturally within them. Is that right? It is true. It is so true. I, I think that it's explaining what can I do for you marriage. My my I, I call it that, right? What can I do for you marriage? It's really about what can I do for my spouse to make my spouse the happiest person in the world. And remember that the education I'm offering is the spouse is doing the same thing for me. But it's not like I'm focusing on that part. I'm focusing on what can I do for you marriage. But if you think about it in a very wise, sage way, right? They're doing, if assuming that they're doing the same thing because they've been educated and they're amazing, an amazing person because you married them, then you are the happiest person. And they are the happiest person. You're just a happy, awesome couple. Not just when you got married, not just right before you got married, but each day you're working on it. And if you're each day you're working on it, you just become happier and happier. So it doesn't mean that life is, you know, like they say, a bowl of cherries every single day. But if you're working on this concept, it's hard work. Sometimes you might be exhausted. Sometimes you might feel, you know, whatever other emotional or physical stresses in life, maybe financial stress, whatever it is, but you love each other and that's what makes you happy. So, and, and you're respecting each other. So let's say if I need to go to the gym or if I need to have my coffee, remember the need, right? Then, or I need to have my coffee and I want to go to the gym to make me a healthy person and mentally healthy and all that stuff, the person will do what they can to make sure that you're able to have your coffee or to make sure that you'll be able to go to the gym. But of course, other things have to happen in our day too, right? And then if I'm working to make sure that they get to go to the pool or they get to go to um, their their class that they want to go to, of course, other than work, you know, then the, what they have to do for work to get to, to make money to survive in, you know, like I was saying before, somebody has to, um, you know, you know, do all those menial jobs that nobody seems to notice, right? Like you have to be saying thank you for cleaning the filters. Thank you for, you know, taking this child to their class. Thank you for, you know, all the work that you do. I appreciate it so much. Wow, you went to the store. You're amazing. Thank you for going to the store. Or thank you for pay, for, for making money. And I know you work so hard and I appreciate that. Those expressions of appreciation and love are, are love, first of all, but it's acknowledgement and not feeling invisible. That's one huge complaint I know by a lot of people who have um, had pain in their lives and, and divorce because there are people who came who come to me also who have been divorced and they feel invisible that that's part of the lack of communication. Um, so for all those wonderful, amazing things that they're doing, but they're never acknowledged. They never appreciated, never say thank you. They never say hello to saying hello is a positive. It's a, it's a, like John Gottman, you know, he teaches, he, you know, you know, to put in your bank, you know, your love bank, you know, to put in different actions, even a smile or hello, good morning to your spouse. It's a, what can I do for you attitude? It's putting a coin in the love bank. You put, you know, so many coins every single day into your love bank, says John Gottman. And then one time you, you know, 
you were stressed out and you were, you know, saying, I have to leave right now. I'm going to miss my whatever, you know, appointment and you're stressed. That's a negative. So John Gottman explains through medical research, I mean, through the research that it's like taking five of those coins out of your love bank. But if you put in millions, you know, you're constantly putting in, you know, hi, how are you? Do you want a coffee? Um, you know, how was your, your call with your boss? You know, all these different things. Do you want to go out on a date? You know, uh, even if you don't go on the date, but you're talking about it <laughs> and you're trying to plan it shows your love for each other. Or you want to go on vacation in six months? Okay, let's plan it. And every little time you do that, you know, that you're talking about the plans is a positive, in my opinion, anyway. It's a positive coin in the love bank. But if that one time that you're stressed out or that, you know, and each time it's taking five coins, if that's, you know, how you have to be thinking about it. It's mm -hmm. like taking five coins out of your love bank. So if you have so many and you're a millionaire in your love bank, those five don't make a difference. It doesn't make an impact. But if you could barely crack a smile at your spouse and you're angry every single minute about every single thing that they're doing or not doing, then because all I'm focused on is what are they doing for me? And how come they're not saying thank you to me? And I, you know what I'm saying? Then, then there's no coins going into that love bank. It's oh, only abs absolutely coming out. It makes so much sense. So I think that there's so much mindfulness around what you're saying. And when you're talking about, you know, asked you for a tip, but this goes so much deeper and further than a tip. This is such foundational advice. Right. And I think that so often, you know, as human beings, in living in the physical world, like we all do, I think it's so easy to get caught up in like my aches and pains or how I feel or, you know, what I need or my insecurities, you know, all of the things that sort of like plague us as humans, you know, the, the challenges that we have on, the, on a daily basis. But you're saying you can transcend those and you can just be there, just be present acknowledge the other person in the picture, whether it's listening to them or asking about them or remembering the details, like you said about their project at work, making a plan. I love the idea that you said about making a plan. I'm going to do it actually today. I'm, gonna, I'm going out with my husband tonight. It's on the calendar and we're going to make a plan to take a vacation because it's something we haven't done in a while. We have young kids. That's and I right. think it's, it's nice what you said that you're by talking about it and looking forward to it and, and attending to it every time you're making a deposit in your love bank. Yes, because you're showing how much you care for them. You're showing that you want to be with them. You want to be taking the time to be with them and that just that gesture, whether it's, you know, your smile, flirtatious or not, whatever it is, 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 is showing that love. It's bonding you. Yeah. It's really powerful. <laughs> so it's great. Um, even if it's going and planning a walk on the beach or, or going out to a restaurant or just taking a walk around your block, it doesn't have to be spending money or, you know, whatever it is. I think people are always caught up and I can't afford it. I can't afford it. Cause I, you know, it makes sense. You know, you can't afford to do everything all the time. Some people, and some people can, it's not all about the money necessarily. It's about spending time together. And the one thing I just want to add to what you said is what I keep repeating on purpose. I keep repeating that people are going to say, well, that's not my life. You know, my life is that my, my spouse doesn't really appreciate me and my spouse, da, 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 da. so I'm not getting it back. Like I'm going to be doing this for them. I'm going to be doing this for them and they're not going to get it back. Well, that's why I think people need to be educated. So they, they need to have this podcast go on around your spouse so that they hear it as well, because you're right. It's not 
fun to always be giving and it's not healthy to always be giving, that's an imbalanced relationship. And you're correct, the people who are saying that. So you, the person who's listening to this, who's saying that's not true in my life, have to you know, have your spouse hear this, you know, because it is important. It's what makes for a happy marriage. It's what makes you a happy person. But you also need to learn how to let go. You need to learn how to not, you know, you know, uh, kitchen sink everything, you know, like to just, it just, just, just say thank you. And somebody, you know, and not to just bring up everything else that they haven't done right till now. But if you want your new life to start together where you have this positive relationship and if they're learning this now, you can't blame them. They didn't learn it before. Right. So I love that so much about, you know, not focusing on what's been done, but using whatever, you know, issues people are having as like a springboard to making positive change. Correct. So I agree with you. Yes. I mean, like like basically being the architect of your future. Yes. Marriage architect. (laughs) Exactly. I love it. It's so true because it's easy. I'm also, you know, you know, when you're upset about something, I want them to say, sorry, you know, one thing I, I mean, my husband, I always say, I always joke around that he's the marriage architect, you know, but it's not a joke. He's amazing. You know, so it's, it's, it's um, something that, that we both learn from each other, you know, how to have that good communication. So one of the things for me, I'm being very personal here to everybody, um, 